If you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to be in the book of Genesis, chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 5 through 8. And if you don't have your Bible, Lauren's going to have it on the screen for you. We're going to be in the English Standard Version. If you'll stand with me all over the room this morning for the reading of the Word, then we will pray and I will let you be seated. The Word said, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning a message that I have simply titled, and yes, there was a movie title several years ago with the same title, a message I have simply titled, Hope Floats. If you will, stretch your hands toward heaven and pray with me and for me briefly this morning. Father, you're awesome. We thank you for your presence. We've already failed. We ask, God, now that you would anoint your word and remove every distraction and hindrance that would cause us from hearing your word. But, Lord, let us hear and receive your word today. Don't let me bring words of my own, but let them be your words. And don't let them be spoken in the enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the demonstration of your spirit and of power. Because your word has the power to change our life. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. As you're seated today, would you give the Lord a big hand clap of praise? Amen. I think most of us in this room today would agree that we are living in dark times. The times that we live in are dark times. There's really no sense in pretending that that is not true. There's really no need to try to sugarcoat that. There is no point in trying to convince ourselves that it's just a little bump in the road or it's just a little turbulence and everything that we see going on in the world around us is just going to smooth out. I believe today that it's important that the church be honest with ourselves. I believe that it's important that we face the facts. And now regardless, and I'm not going to get into sides, but regardless of which side of the aisle that you sit on politically, I think all of us, regardless of what side, would agree that our nation is so politically divided. We are so divided. The wickedness of man, though, in my opinion, has reached an all-time high When we have more legislature, more activists, and more consequences to protect animals than we do to protect little, innocent, unborn babies. I could call out a lot more politically, but I won't. I'll just leave it at that because that is more than enough. If that doesn't tear your heart out of you, then you didn't have a heart to start with. You might be like the tin man in the Wizard of Oz, and you need a heart. Because if it doesn't tear your heart out of you, that new unborn babies are murdered by the droves on a daily basis, that should tear our hearts out of us. And I'm going to add one more thing to that. 
I'm not going to get into sides of the aisle, but I will say this. I don't want anybody to say to me, and I don't want to hear anybody say, or don't come up to me afterward and say, it's my body. Or it's her body. She has a right to make decisions regarding her own body. Because I will tell you without hesitation or regret that yes, she does. But she already made that decision when she willfully participated in the activity that caused her to be with child. And she doesn't have the right to decide what happens to an unborn child that already has a body beginning to form of its own. Its body belongs to it, not her. Somebody say amen. And anybody who agrees with that foolishness is caught up in the wickedness of man. We are living in times just like the Bible speaks about. In Isaiah, he speaks about a people that pulls sin like a cart with a rope. And he says, there is a generation that has... See if this doesn't sound familiar. There is a generation that has no shame. And they can't even blush when they sin. They call evil good and good evil. They put light for darkness and darkness for light. They put sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. He says... There is no fear of God in their eyes. Paul, when he was writing to Timothy in his second epistle to Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, he said, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, hello, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. You see, they go to church. They talk about Jesus. They claim to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And Paul told Timothy, avoid such people. Switching back to the Old Testament, Isaiah spoke with unbelievable prophetic insight and discernment about the times, about the people, and about the hour that we are living in. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, he said, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head there is no soundness in it. But bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up 
or softened with oil. Now I know that this may be sounding really bleak, really depressing right now, but can I tell you this morning, it is what it is. Because it is the plain, simple, raw truth of the condition of the world that we find ourselves living in today. The truth is that these times are dark. These times are evil. And I feel mandated by God to truthfully and accurately present to you the reality of the times that we live in. You see, not very many are really willing to speak the truth concerning the the conditions and the atmosphere of these times that we live in. I'll take that just a step further. Not very many are willing to speak the truth concerning the conditions of what calls herself the church today. The majority of the voices that we are hearing today are not speaking accurately or truthfully. Jeremiah called these folks pillow prophets. In Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 14, he said, They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, you know, peace, bro. When there is no peace. One verse prior, Jeremiah said in verse 13, From the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy, For unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. Jeremiah said in chapter 14, verse 14, And the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision worthless divination and the deceit of their own minds. You ever heard the phrase prophesying? That's what, that's what you get when you put prophesying lies together. Prophesying. I wish that I could stand up here today and preach to you that we're just going through a rough patch in this crazy world that we live in. But we'll be through it in just a little while. But if I'm going to be a true man of God and if I'm going to speak truthfully and accurately to you then I can't do that because I would be lying to you. The truth is everything that we have seen and experienced up until now has just been the precursor, has just been the tremblings has just been the pre-birth pains of what is coming. By what this book has told us, we should be preparing ourselves that it's just going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Pastor, why would you say such things? 
We come to church to be encouraged. We come to church this morning. We're supposed to be celebrating baptismal candidates today. People who have made the decision to follow Christ. We've come to church to hear something encouraging. We've come to church to hear a bless me word. We want to hear how that everything out there is going to turn around and somehow our society is suddenly going to wake up and everybody's going to be good again. I want to take it a step further. We want to hear... This is what the cry is in the church today. We want to hear that Jesus loves everybody. And he's not mad at anybody. And how he doesn't judge anybody. Oh, you're judging. And how, oh, this is a good one. And how everybody is already saved and they just don't know it yet. We want to hear how grace is this great, big blanket that covers all of our sins, past, present, and future. So now it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how we live because it's already covered under grace. Here's another good one for you. We want to hear how that the Holy Spirit never convicts people of their sins anymore. All He does now is just try to convince us how righteous we already are. Well, all I can say to you you is this, if that's what you want to hear, you have missed the boat. If that's what you want to hear, you're going to have to go somewhere else and find yourself a pillow prophet somewhere because you might be one of those whom Paul talked about in his second letter to Timothy. In chapter 4 verse 3, he said, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Now look out across the crowd and this is the second time we've had church today and the house is full. Praise God for that. But the first line of that passage of scripture blows every church growth seminar I've ever attended out the water. Blows it up. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They will not have it. They will not receive it. They will not hear it. But what they will do, having itching ears, they will accumulate unto themselves teachers to suit their own passions. But I've got news for you this morning. It ain't going to come from this pulpit. I said it's not going to come from this pulpit. Because I'm like Heather Land. Anybody in the house know who Heather Land is this morning? Anybody? Okay, how about the, the famous Facebook video lady? I'd rather slide down a razor blade into a pool full of alcohol than to preach to you that you're okay when you're living in sin. Her famous words, say them with me, I ain't doing it. Because I'm glad today that the Holy Spirit is still convicting the sinner of their sins. And that is the only reason why we can celebrate four baptismal candidates today. Because they know what it is to feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and to respond with repentance in their life and we celebrate them today because they're making the decision to follow him and I'm glad that I know that grace is not just a great big blanket that we can all crawl under in our sin together but grace is the divine gift of God working on my humanity to give me power 
over sin. Do you hear me? Grace, you know, it's summertime, and I got, I just typed this analogy out when I was typing my sermon this week, and I, uh, I, it just really popped into my mind, but I think it's pretty good. Grace is not just a floaty that we wear so that we can float around all the time in a pool of sin and call ourselves saved. Did you hear me? The grace of God is not just a floaty that we can put on and wear and float around in a pool of sin all the time and call ourselves saved. No, sir. Grace delivers me from the pool of sin. Did you hear me? I said the grace of God delivers me from the pool of sin. I was a sinner, but thanks be unto God, He saved me by His grace. And when He did, He lived lifted me up above my sin. I was raised Baptist. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Actually, some of y'all would be better if you were. We used to sing a song. I done went and made some of you mad, didn't I? I love my Baptist foundation. I love my Pentecostal experience, but I love my Baptist foundation. We used to sing a song that said, I was sinking deep in sin. Anybody know it? Far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. If you know it, sing it, but think about it. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Come on, sing it. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. You're doing good, sing it. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Is anybody glad that he lifted you out of your sin this morning? You see, thank God from sin's waters, he lifted me. It does not say in sin's waters, he joined me. Hello? No, he doesn't come join us in our sin. He lifted me. He delivered me. He saved me. And when he saved me, he gave me a new spirit. Paul said, if any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are come new. This work of salvation is not just about saving me from the sea of sin that I'm floating in. The work of the Holy Spirit has made me a new creature. He took the desire to continue in my sin out of me. I was having this discussion this week with somebody and I don't believe that our salvation 
is as fragile as most classic Pentecostals would tell you that it is. I believe that when God saves us, He saves us. And if He lifts us out of our sin, and if we are in Christ, Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. He takes that desire for sin out of us. He doesn't just pluck me out of sin's ocean. He pulls the sin nature out of me. He goes to the roots and he pulls it out by the roots. And he puts a new nature in us. Now, we are free moral agents. Yes, no man can pluck you out of God's hand. Nicholas Baxter, as a staff member and a friend and a family as well, cannot make me mad enough to cause me to lose my relationship with Jesus Christ. He cannot do it. Not that he's tried. But he cannot do it. The only person that can do it is me. No man can pluck me out of his hand, but I'm a free moral agent. I have the choice to willfully walk away. And if you don't believe that, in John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And four times in that chapter of Scripture, he said, if you abide in me and I in you. If you abide in me and I in you. Can I tell you there would have been no need for him to say if four times if we did not have the ability to choose to no longer abide in him. It's a choice. When he saves us, he takes that old nature out of us and he makes us a new creature. The Bible says in 1 John 3 and 8, this is the word, you either got to receive it, well you have to receive it, you don't have a choice. He that committeth sin is of the devil. 1 John 3 and 8, what are you saying preacher? I'm saying if you still have a nature... If you still have an appetite, and if you still have a desire to sin, then you have not been born again yet. Oh, You may have felt conviction. You may have even possibly asked for forgiveness, but you have not been born again yet. When you get born again, you get a new nature. And that new nature does not have the same appetite and the same desire for sin that the old nature had. You see, I'm not a sinner. I was a sinner. And I had the nature of sin in me. Will I fail? Will I falter? Sure I will sometimes. But I have a new nature. And for me to call myself a sinner now is to repudiate the power of the blood and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. We are in this world, but we are not supposed to be of this world. First John 2 and 15 says, If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. James chapter 4 and verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
This is not in my notes this morning, but I said it in the 845 service. And since I flung it at them, it's only fair that I fling it at you. Because of this passage of scripture right here, the two words gourmet beer and the other two words Bible study should never be said together. I done lost about 25% of you right there. Because of this passage of scripture right here. Do not, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Preacher, are you trying to say that taking a drink will send me to hell? No. You will not find that in the Bible. But you will find in the doctrine of the church of God that we practice abstinence from alcohol as a drink, as a beverage, because of what it does to our testimony. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying those people out there that are trying to get free from their bondage with drugs and alcohol are not looking for somebody to come sit down with a Bible and do what they do. They're looking for somebody that's been lifted out of the mess that they find themselves in that has been set free by the power of God. Friendship with the world is enmity. With God. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. In our main text today, and I'm almost done, the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. He, listen to what he said. For I am sorry that I have made them. Luke 17 verses 26 and 27. Listen to the words of Jesus. He said, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. You see, that's what's happening in the world today. It is no surprise. Jesus' words right here are being fulfilled. And I'll be honest with you. If that's all the word said, I would be completely overwhelmed and cast down without hope. But I want us to go back to Genesis as I close this morning. There's a word that we need to hear in Genesis chapter 7, verses 19 through 24. He said, and the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole earth were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. Say, in the ark. 
And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Somebody says, that doesn't sound very encouraging. I agree, that's not the encouraging part. Here's the encouraging part. Back in verses 17 and 18, he said, The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth. And, watch this, the ark floated on the face of the waters. You see, this is the word that we need to hear in this hour. We do not need somebody deceiving us with smooth, sweet, silky words of how great everything is and we need to know and to hear and to receive the truth because it is bad this world that we're living in is bad and it's getting worse all the time but Jesus said that it would but just like Noah and his family were inside of that ark they were safe they were protected while they were inside of that ark and listen to your pastor this morning those who have have their hope in Jesus Christ are just like Noah. What are you talking about, preacher? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians 3, go ahead and come to the music. 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. He said, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, watch this, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see, as the flood waters rose and as destruction came on every living thing upon the earth, the ark floated on the top of the water. Do you follow me? The waters were increased and they bore up the ark and the ark floated on the face of the waters. The waters increased and bore up the ark. Which means that what was destruction to some was salvation for the others. Did you hear me? As the waters were rising outside the ark, what was destruction for some was salvation for those who were on the inside of the ark. You see? And the worse it got around them, the higher they went because they were in the ark. They were hidden inside Christ. They were hidden inside hope and hope floats listen to me so all I've said all of this that I've said today to say this to somebody yes it is getting worse all around us every single day but the apostle Paul said if I had hope in this life only I would be among all men most miserable but my hope is not in this life. My hope is not in this world. My hope is not in my bank account. My hope, listen to this, is you should have been at the war room study. If you've not been there, you'd know this by now. My hope is not in my marriage. My hope is not in my family. My hope is not in my job. 
My hope is not in my bank account or my big house or my fine car. My hope is only in Jesus Christ. And when I hide myself in Him, when I place my hope in Him, you can go ahead and let the waters rise around me. You can go ahead and let destruction be poured out all around me. And it doesn't matter as long as I'm in the ark, as long as I'm hidden safely away in Jesus. As the waters rise, I'll just keep rising above them because this world is not looking for a church that is drowning in the destruction with them, but they're looking for a church that as it gets worse on the outside, the church of God continues to rise above where there's safety. Stand with me all over the house. Where there's safety, where there is peace, when we're hidden in the ark safely with Jesus. As the waters rise, so shall we rise. As the floods of life come, we'll continue to rise higher and higher in spite of what's going on in this world around us. Can I tell you today that it's time the church be the church. I said it's time that the church be the church. We are living in a day and time, and I know this is not a popular message, but you cannot tell the church from the world. It's time that the church be the church. We're not supposed to let everything that's going on around us affect what's going on inside of us. Because if we have the hope of Jesus inside of us, we'll float and we will rise above.